If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneur. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I have a great guest with us on the line today. We're speaking with Damien Lupo. Damien is a serial entrepreneur. He's an author a martial arts expert and a speaker and a teacher. He is the founder of Total Control Financial, a financial services startup in Texas that is literally changing the game of finance. The company's tagline is disrupting Wall Street and empowering Main Street. He's the author of a book titled The Reinvented Life and he's come on the show today to teach us all about the power of reinvention. So please help me welcome Mr. Damien Lupo. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me today. All right. So could you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your background and where you're coming from? Yeah, I, my, my background really started in terms of the, the entrepreneurial world back when I was about 11, when I, I started buying and selling video games. And it was really because I was solving the most important problem in my life as an 11 year old. I didn't have video games and I wanted to play them. So it was that that was the biggest thing that I had in terms of my problems. So it, it's funny because we all think we have problems. And at the time, that was my biggest problem. So I, I ended up building a business around that. And then ultimately, when I when I left, uh, left Alaska and went to college, went to university, I, I, I didn't really it didn't really work for me because I had the entrepreneurial bug and I didn't really feel like being in a in a quote unquote normal job was was the right path. So I ended up starting businesses in my in my dorm room at the at the university and was asked to leave the the school or shut down my business because I was actually putting the bookstore out of business wow. when I was there. And and I, I said, well, I'm not going to shut it down because it's paying for school. And in about four days, I paid for for school because I was I was doing a service to serve people. I was I was able to sell them books and buy their books back at more at a higher price, sell them books at a lower price. And so really what I was doing is I was adding value and the people that were competing had a monopoly. And so I was just finding a way to do a better job. And that just really gave me the the push to to move out on my own. And, and then I started an insurance company. And did that for a while. But the reason that that didn't ultimately last is because I didn't have enough flexibility to create exactly what I wanted to create. And I think that that's one of the coolest things right now, that we have the ability to create anything we want. We have a, a global platform. I mean, you're, you and I are speaking right now, and we are thousands of miles apart. And this is going to be heard by people all over the world. Yeah. And that's the platform that we have. So uh, when, when I shifted out of, out of the insurance space, I went into the real estate world. And that's where I really started to become an artist, a financial entrepreneurial artist. And I just created things according to what my vision was and started learning by making a whole lot of mistakes. And, and really, that was the key to the exponential growth where I, I kept falling down. I kept getting hit and punched and, and you know, beat on. And, and, and ultimately, it, it resulted in a lot of financial wealth that I, I earned and made and, and then lost and then have recreated. So it, it, there was a, a multi-year process where I was in action, in motion, and that was the thing. I, I think the difference for me and for, for you and for people that are, are making it happen is we stay in motion and, and we're willing to make mistakes. We're willing to learn by doing and not just learn by absorbing new academic information. And that was really the key to 
everything that that has happened with me and and what I've been able to create is is just staying in motion over the last 20 years. Your real estate venture. Could you tell us a little bit about how that got started, the whole process? Because I read that you literally saw an infomercial talking about some real estate seminar, and then you started off in real estate. So. Well, it, it really it started right before the the new uh, the new millennium. So in in 1999, I I saw an infomercial about real estate, and it was one of those things where you see some television program at two o'clock in the morning, and and you say that could be me. And there's this amazing picture of a yacht and big houses and palm trees, and I got very excited. And I had read Rich Dad Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki's book, and and then at the same time, a friend of mine said, Hey, I've got a real estate deal that I think you should be my partner in. And I was so excited. And fortunately, I was also very young and naive. So I didn't have a clue about hardly anything at, the, at that time, which meant that I was willing to uh, just go and try. I was, I was willing to go do something. So I flew out to, to Florida and went to one of these seminars where you, you have a whole bunch of people on stage sharing their stuff and then selling their tapes. At the time, it was tapes. They were selling their tapes. And I bought everything and I said, I'm going to go do all this stuff. So I didn't have any rules that said this is not going to work. I just had this belief and it was, it was this like childlike curiosity and, and belief that it would work, that, that there, there wasn't a, a fear of 20 years of being beat up in the real world that I said, no, nah, this, this, this can't work. I really just bought into it and went forward. And when I did that, I started, I, I went out into the market and said, Hey, I, I want to, I want to buy houses. And I really just tried everything that I'd, I'd learned at these seminars. And that was one of the keys to take and really just have a buy-in. Take what you've learned and go out and do something with it and then see what happens and instead of second-guessing it or, or wondering if it'll actually work. So I went out in the, in the market and I, and I started buying houses. And I was doing that without really any, any ability to, to buy houses conventionally. I didn't have the ability to, to borrow money or or do anything. In fact, the first house I bought, I used my, my credit card to, to buy the house. And, and so most people would probably look at that and go, that's crazy. That's not possible. And I didn't know what was possible or what wasn't possible. I, I just went and did it. And that, and that was, that was how it started. And, and then I just kept doing it over and over again um, until I, I kind of ended up with this big pile of real estate and a, a pretty amazing lifestyle but the problem is it really got out of control because my entire goal was just more money and it's a very very dangerous goal if that's the only goal you have it was it needed to be something bigger and more based on a mission or or something more than just a hedonistic lifestyle of consuming more stuff and having more things and that's really that was the transition where i ultimately lost a lot of the money uh, pretty much all of it because I didn't have any foundation that was based on the mission and the values and, and something deeper than just the consumption. What was the turning point in your life that, and what was the main thing that happened that caused you to sit down and reflect and look around and say, this isn't something that is sustainable or this isn't something that is fulfilling for my own internal 
It's a good question, and, and I wish there was some a moment of epiphany that I had where I, I thought, oh, this is, I really need to reinvent myself. It, it wasn't something that I thought up. It was really just the universe giving me a big dose of slap in the face where <laughs> I, I just, I lost, I lost $20 million worth of real estate, and I had to take a time out. I had to, so, so, I, I didn't really have a choice. The sorry. universe said, you're going to take a time out. So sorry, could you just give us like the details of how you lost $20 million. How old were you at the time, by the way? Uh, 20. So when I lost this, I was, I was just, I was 30 years old. Okay. So I, I basically had created this, this whole thing during my twenties and went from zero to multimillionaire. And, and what a lot of people had a, a similar experience in 2007 and 2008. Okay. And yeah, it was a financial crisis. And, and what, a, one of the things I did is I, I put my name on the line for everything that was going on. I signed on all the debt and, and I really went all in. I mean, when you talk about going all in and putting it all on the, on the table, that was me. I put everything in. And so when the markets collapsed, I had, I had used a lot of leverage, a lot of debt, and it was, it, it wasn't personally smart. Guaranteed. It wasn't personally guaranteed everything. Wow. And, and ultimately when that happened, I, I was left holding the bag. And, and so I had to deal with the the cleanup and the and the meltdown and and giving the properties back and and some of the foreclosures and it was so I went through the entire process and it was funny because in the beginning I remember one of my mentors saying you know you guys are going to there's a group of us that were all getting together every every few months and he said y'all are going to have some rough times at some point so you should probably not have everything in the game at all times and and we all said there's no way we're not going to be all in all the time because we're making too much money and he was right. We all got wiped out. And, and, and so one of the valuable lessons there was listening to people that have already been through things that have really been in and, and using their, their gray hair and their wisdom and their scars as, as a way to guide and navigate through the unknown. And especially when we're young or we're new and we just have, we don't have the experience yet. And I just, I stopped listening. And when I stopped listening, I got hurt really bad. So how did it feel when you had to face your friends, your family? Because I assume in addition to putting yourself on the line personally, you also had some of your people close to you. You had their money invested in some deals, correct? Yeah, that was uh, that was actually the, the most painful part of this. It's it really, you know, when, when we think about losing money, it's it's not fun. Um, I, I don't want to go out and find ways to lose money on purpose, but it's it's just it's money. The, the thing that's hardest about going out and, and growing a business is having people that invest with you. And it's, it, it's really w when things go wrong and you do everything you can think of to, to make things right and you still lose people's money, it's, it's painful, especially when they're, they're, the way that they look at you changes. And I remember some people that I'd known for decades, many, many years, and, and I remember hearing them say, I wish you were dead. I hope you rot in hell because the deals had failed and I failed them. And going through that process was the worst part of this. And it, it really made me second guess a lot of things about me, who I was, whether I was valuable at all. And, and it was, I mean, it was painful. The money didn't matter as much as how people, I, I felt like I had failed people and I, and I wish I could have done more or, or had done more. And, and that, that's the hardest part about having investors or having people that are part of your, your, your business is that things don't always work out. I mean, that's, that's a, it's a misconception that 
that you can just be successful. It, it, there is a road and it is not straight. It's curvy and it's a roller coaster. And sometimes things don't work and sometimes money gets lost. And that's usually part of the, the, the deal of creating financial artwork. Huh. So what did you do to cope? Because I can imagine this must have been a difficult time for you. you know, having to face friends and family, you've lost a lot of money, their money. Um, what, what, what other personal things were going on in your life? And how did you just basically try to um, deal with the situation in your own way before you realized you had to at least go back to the drawing board and reinvent yourself? Well, before before I had that that conversation with myself about reinventing and really shifting me and and changing things, I did what any rational person would do. I just ignored it. I just ignored everything that had happened and pretended pretended everything was fine. And I did that for a, a couple of years. And it was it was really me just not acknowledging the truth. And so for for a couple of years, I kind of went along and and did my normal thing even though the world was falling apart around me and inside me, I, it was still kind of a facade. It was not real what I was showing up with. And eventually I, I remember I, I got fired. I was volunteering I, on a political campaign and I got fired as a volunteer and I pretended I didn't get fired, that I resigned. And then I finally, and, and I was saying this publicly, I didn't get fired. And then I, I finally said, this is stupid. If I don't acknowledge the truth, if I don't own this, if I'm not totally self-responsible, about what's really happening and what really has happened, then I can never really change anything. And it was in that moment when I said, I'm going to be 100% responsible. I'm going to own this. I did get fired and I was a, I was a crappy volunteer. And if, when, once I owned that, then I could start changing. But before I owned the truth, I couldn't fix anything because you cannot fix a lie. Yeah. And I was lying to myself and the world. And that's the first thing we have to do is acknowledge the truth 100% and own it. Huh. So you acknowledge the lie. You said, you know what, this this cannot work. I have to be true to myself. So, what did you do? How did you start the process? Well, the the, the first thing to do is start asking the question, and I, I talk about this a lot in the, in my book, Reinvented Life, where the the key question to go conscious it, very quickly is to ask what is true. And I kept asking that the that question, what is true, over and over. And I started off with my belief systems, and really asking what is true about who I am and what I believe. And that's when I realized that during the, the period of time when I was making all this money and, and building my, that, that business, I didn't, I didn't have values that were driving me. I just had a consumption focus. And what, what I found was that my values or my, my desires, my needs were changing so fast that there was nothing really sound or, or stable about my foundation. And that question led me to developing the values that drive me today, which include candor and transparency and self-responsibility. And things that I do are based on relationship, not just transactions. I, it's really important for me to, to look 10 years down the road with anybody I'm involved with, whether it's a friend or whether it's somebody I'm doing business with. I'm asking the question, how is this relationship going to grow over 10 years? So there, these, these core values now drive everything. They drive the people in my life and they drive every decision I make. That was part of asking what is true? Well, who, who am I and what, what's going to drive me going forward? That took a couple of years to really drill into that and to get very clear on that. And once I had that in place, then the external stuff started shifting. But 
oftentimes people will just start shifting the external world. They'll change jobs or they'll change partners or whatever instead of figuring out the internal changes that need to happen and the internal truth that they need to acknowledge beforehand that drives everything else. So who were you before the reinvention? Who were you personally? Forget about the external stuff, the money, the cash, the women, everything. Who were who you as a guy? Because, I mean, from what I read about you, it seemed like you were a totally different person from your mindset to the way you acted to what you believed in terms of your relationships with people. It, it, it seemed like you were coming off or you were a jerk at the time. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's an accurate description. I, I was when I think about me back then, I think about a guy that was very intense, very noisy, very very wild. I didn't really know what stillness was. I certainly didn't have any type of meditation in my life. I was I was really trying to prove something all the time. It was maybe an inadequacy that I had gone to. Yeah, it, I I wanted to. I wasn't comfortable with me, so I was doing something to prove something to, to everybody else that I was worth anything. And I did that through the external validation of of cash and Ferraris and and women and you know just all that stuff. And that was the difference back then. I wasn't comfortable with me, and through this the, through the reinvention process, I really got very comfortable with me and understood that that I was. I was good and I was solid and I, there was nothing to prove to anybody else and I needed to own that and the right people would end up being in my life. I didn't need to prove something to somebody that didn't really matter in my life, but that's what I was really focusing on back then. Great, great. So you start on this journey of self-reflection, self-awareness. Did the book come as a result of this process or it was after you finished this process, your life was getting back on track, and then you now wrote the book. How did the book come about? Well, it, it, the, the book was an interesting process. It was, it, it'll be the closest thing probably that I ever come to having birth. Okay. Um, I, I, was, I was thinking about the journey and, and really wanting to share that and get all of that stuff out of me. There's one valuable thing about writing a book, it, especially when it's your story. It helps you get your story. It helps you get the stuff that's stuck inside you out in front of you so you can really learn from it and acknowledge it and be real with it. And I was sharing this with my, my dear friend, Chris Ashby. And he said, hey, I want to write this story with you. And I thought, well, that's kind of strange. How do you write a story, your own story with somebody else? And I said, you know what? I think this would be an amazing process. Let's do it. And we ended up working together and wrote the book together at the same time. So our stories are are intertangled into this book because we really had very we had similar yet very different reinvention processes where we went from one type of life to a different. And it was a conscious shift. It wasn't just an accident that we showed up 10 years later and said, wow, my life is different. We really decided that we wanted something totally different. We wanted to be a completely different person. And, and then we, we figured out that there were a lot of similarities in the internal transition, which led to the external transition. And ultimately, when we, we released the book, it was funny because we thought, hey, if, if nobody ever reads it, it's okay because we've at least created this story. And what's happened instead is a ton of people are reading it and telling us that they're using it as a study guide for their own reinvention. And because it's, it has become so valuable because it's so raw and so authentic and there's just, there's, there's useful tools in there. And that was just because we put it all out there and we didn't hold anything back. Yeah. So give us a little bit of a sample of some of the tools that someone can use to reinvent their life. 
Well, I mean, one one of the things that's that's really important that it creates a lot of of stress for people is is the money side of their life. They, they there's this need or desire to to shift from where we are to where we want to be, and and maybe that's we want to shift a, a certain type of lifestyle or a certain career, the work we're doing. We, we want to be a, an entrepreneur, and we don't really understand what the financial implications are going to be. So we really we talk a lot about the runway and and what it looks like if you're gonna if you're gonna change if you've got something stable financially today what it looks like for you to shift gears if you're gonna spend six months building up your your new career can you do it are you going to go bankrupt are you gonna starve to death during this process and when we really go step by step through that process how you can set yourself up so you have the confidence because if you feel if you're afraid that you're going to run out of money over the next six months or 12 months or however long this process is going to be, you're probably never going to take the first step because nobody wants to starve to death. Yeah. And and it, it's really just asking those questions about where you are and being honest. And, and one of the things that we do is we talk about the behaviors and habits and what you're doing today that is is driving your lifestyle. Oftentimes, we're unconscious to these things. So there's this consciousness exercise in the book to figure out what is real about your life and then deciding whether you want to keep that stuff or whether you want to shift away from it and then how you do that. The, the idea that that you can maintain your same life with the same people in it and, and you want to shift your life into something else and keep the same people is a disaster waiting to happen because mm -hmm. of the influence of the people that are around you. And part of this transformation and reinvention process is, is saying, okay, I'm going to change something. I'm going to have different people in my life. For me, I didn't have necessarily the physical people. So back when I first started, I needed to shift away from my, my childhood people, friends, family. And so I started listening to people on tape and they became my friends and influencers, just like people on podcasts, like we're having this conversation and people are listening to us. It's it, when you start putting that, those voices in your brain and, and over and over, that's who's influencing you. You start to shift towards those people and away from the past stuff, which is, helps you to start reinventing. But that that influence cannot be uh, cannot be overstated. It's so important, and it and it really needs to be something that, that we're conscious about who's influencing us because we're going to become more like them. So, what were some of the tapes you were listening to at the time? I gosh, the the tapes that I listened to a lot of those the, those tapes are, are really the same ones I listen to now. I, I listen to a lot of of Jim Rohn tapes, yeah. uh, who who's one of the founders of personal development, yeah. and really be, because it's. It, our context and the way that we think is more important than the specific tools. I can give someone, I can give you a list of, of 10 things that it would be great things to do. But if your context, if the way that you think about things is not set up to, for you to, to be successful and to, to be on a success path, it's not going to matter what tips and tools, because you won't really, you won't own them. You won't be responsible. You've got to go back into the whole idea of self-responsibility and owning your life. And that's where Jim Rohn really goes into that. And, and, guys like Robert Kiyosaki that talk about context. And it's funny because a guy like him makes a lot of people crazy because he won't necessarily tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. He just helps you explore the thinking process and, and rewiring your context and challenging your belief systems. That's what's more important than, than the techniques and strategies. It's really understanding you and how you think and then rewiring that so that you can come from a place of openness and responsibility. So it sounds to me like you're saying I think you need to start the first principles. You need to start with the why. Why you want to do something, why you want to be somebody else before. The, like the tools and the processes and all that strategy doesn't really matter. It's the why. Once your why changes from the old why to a new why, then um, whatever tool you have accessible to you at the time will probably work for you. Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, it, it is. It is the why. And it's really asking it. it uh, one of the questions I used to ask myself and, and I got this from and it, Robert still says this, the question of instead of saying I can't do something there, I asked the question, well, how can I do it? And so in my mind, if I saw a Ferrari, I went, I, I didn't I didn't say I, I can't get that car. I would ask, how can I get the car? The problem is I wasn't asking why would I want the car? Why would I have that car? Why would I want this in my life? And really having the why, what that ends up doing is it creates a lot of simplicity where we're, we're asking why. And then we say, well, it, I, actually, I don't want that in my life. If we ask why, and we're really honest about it, usually it's a very simple outcome. It's we're, we don't necessarily want 14 houses before any really good reason other than to maybe prove it like me, like I was doing years ago. And, and the why, if we're really honest, it's we want we want connection. We want we want a legacy to be able to share the best of who we are. We, that's what matters. And and if we're really honest about it, it simplifies the whole process, and it allows us to have a lot more time for the things that matter instead of just creating more and more stuff in our life that really doesn't matter all that much. Yeah. When it comes to personal reinvention, what's the mindset a person needs to adopt in order to successfully be able to change their lives? Yeah, there, there, there's a mindset and then there's changing your mind. And really, we, we, when we, we think about changing our mind, we can change where we're going to go each day. Like we're going we're gonna to go to a different grocery store. We change our mind. We're, we're going to go spend time with a different friend. And then there's really changing your, your mind where you're exchanging your mind for a different mind. And, and that's the, the reinvention process. That's where you're rewiring. And so it's not about one thing or over the other. It's it's you you wouldn't even look at those things the same. It's it's really changing the, the contextual nature of how you're approaching life and the lens that you have. It's it's changing the lens and the way that your your software and your brain is even processing things. That's the hardest work, and it's why most people won't do it because it takes a lot of time to ask the questions, to peel back the layers, and to get really really honest. And that, I think that's probably the hardest thing is to being is is being so honest about how you think. And, and the demons that are inside that, that really that we struggle with and that are driving a lot of our belief systems, we can, we can say, okay, I'm going to go exercise or I'm going to save money or I'm going to do these things. But if we don't understand, if we don't really have a belief system that drives those things, those, those mindset changes or those changes of, of how we're making decisions are only going to last days or weeks or months. They're not going to stick. We've got to rewire and go deeper and that's where we exchange the mind for a different one and once we have the different one we're, we're really we're operating from that and and it's not just a uh, we're not going to we're not going to uh, bounce back into our previous mindset we're, we're operating from something totally different so that that's the hard work and that's what sticks but you've got to exchange the mind not just change your mind yeah because in as much as we all try like it's the beginning of the year we're still in february Every new year, people always talk about new year resolutions, but very few people actually sit down and think about what it means to actually, you know, strip away all the old broken narrative from the past years. And they just feel it's like, okay, you have a dirty, old looking house and you just come and say, oh, it's a new year. Let me just slap in a new coat of paint. Not thinking about stripping off the old layer of paint, you know, maybe polishing it down, maybe doing some plastering work and then repainting the house if that's what you want to do so it's 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 really a difficult thing to be vulnerable with yourself and actually honest with yourself in in that way 
it, it is that you just nailed something. It's the, the vulnerability about being real and authentic and true. And, and going into that space, just saying, okay, I, I'm only going to operate from vulnerability and authenticity and, and truth. It's, it can be a huge struggle to start with because we're so used to having a certain image or a certain way that we show up and yeah. to be honest and be authentic it can terrify us because sometimes the the, the thinking is this is going to make everybody run away from me mm -hmm. i'm not going to have anybody in my life and that the most terrifying thing is to have nobody in our lives yeah, we're not no, meant to be by ourselves loneliness. yeah it's 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 terrifying and that was a big part of what I was doing, I, I wanted to have people like me. And, and so I was projecting something. And, and when I shifted away from that, the, the BS, and I went into the truth, there were people that didn't want anything to do with me that they, they said, I don't know who you are. And then there were other people that showed up that wanted to be around the real authentic person. And those are the people that are really close to me now. And we have real conversations and real relationships that are based on truth and honesty. If if not that, then what? Just a bunch of lies and and smoke and mirrors. I mean, that why would you ever want to have that in your life? And you have to start with vulnerability to ever enter that space. And do you think it's possible that um, when you reinvent yourself by going so deep, you're still able to? I mean, there are some relationships where you have no choice but keeping, like your family and maybe a couple of childhood friends that you've known from way way back. But do you think it's still possible to have some of those old people that were in your life still understand what you've gone through and what you're going through and still um, share a little bit of your life going forward, knowing that you're no more the old guy? It's it, it's incredibly challenging. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat this or make this easy. The, when we go through a process of, of reinventing, what we will find is that many of the people that we care about, that care about us, that love us, oftentimes our family, cannot relate to the work that we're doing or the shift that's happening because they haven't gone through it. Yeah. And they may love us, but there's no way for them to be able to say, I get it. And and it's hard to relate. And so oftentimes, in my experience, when, when I was going through my stuff, I had people that when they read the book, they said, like my own, my, my parents said, why, why didn't you tell us? And I, I said, the, the truth is, y'all wouldn't have been able to relate. You would have said, I love you and I support you, but I have no idea how to relate to you on this because we've all been through stuff, but this was, it was a lot of work that I was doing and very few people will actually go through it. So it's important to find people that have really gone through it and, and they get it because it's, it's not an academic or an intellectual shift. It's an actual, it's an emotional and spiritual shift when you reinvent. That's the first thing that happens. And, and so I tend to, I tend to not go very, very deep with people that haven't been through it because it's almost overwhelming for them. It's, it's, it's like vomiting on them sometimes and they, it's too much, but somebody that's, that's been through it would really get it in a different way. And, and so I, I think we have to be conscious to that and not want to bring everybody into the mix that hasn't necessarily been through it because they're not going to know how to process it or even be really, really with us on that journey. Yeah, it also sounds to me like that's where you find that it's important to have a mentor, someone you look up to, someone you trust, someone that you're kind of like following a similar path just to ensure that, hey, this guy has gone through what I've been through before and he can actually, like the old gray-haired man you were talking about earlier that told you that you guys shouldn't put all your money in this thing because it's going to go bust. 
you need to find somebody that has actually been able to go through the same cathartic process and come out of it and is having a more rich life in terms of relationships, experiences, experiences. Am I correct? Yeah, the, you're exactly right. The, the the one key thing that that I I always tell people uh, whenever they ask, well, what what would you do differently going back, or what would you tell the the 20 year old version or the the person that's starting out? And that is, you want somebody with gray hair or no hair that's been there through it, and you really want to have them there with you, somebody you respect that you can ask questions that will tell you the truth. That isn't going to just say, hey, that's great, and I love you, and so I'm not really going to tell you anything. Even if I know better, it's the person that's going to be call it really tight. They're going to be super honest with you, and they're going to be able to share things about what they see that you you don't see because you just don't have the experience yet. Having those people in our lives, and and they're not very common because most people aren't willing to go out there and and actually do things. So you want to find people that have actually gone and done it because they've got an emotional experience that is it's priceless and you cannot read that in a book it's something that you have to actually live through so having that person or persons at least one in our lives is probably the one thing that i would do before anything else is having having that that guide the the gray the gray hair or the no hair i mean really that's it comes down to that yeah so reinvent yourself and then what happens next how did you get back in business get back in the swing of things and start um, a new life. I started asking the question, what, what, what do I really love? What, what matters to me? Am I going to go and I'm, am I going to just create a bunch of cash? Am I going to create a business that, or am I going to create something that is more of a legacy, something that, that I love and I, and I get up and it feels like it, it feels like play every day. And, and I wanted to make sure that there was both those pieces. I think a lot of times, the mistake that we make is is to go and and just start doing business and we don't really care about it and we say well in five years or ten years or twenty years I'll actually be able to live and to me that makes no sense because life is is not certain it's it's unpredictable and it ends and so I want to make sure that I'm living the whole time so I started finding things that I really enjoyed and it was it was doing business with people finding ways to empower people with with their money and and their finances and and helping them take total control of their financial lives and that work has led it to the company that I'm running now and the, and the businesses that I own, the, the work I do consulting with people and, and the teaching. So it was really a, a deeper question. It wasn't just what, what, what's a, an opportunity to make some money. It was how can I use my talents to serve a purpose that solves problems for people, makes their lives better, and allows me to wake up every morning with a, an urgency to get started because I'm loving what I'm doing so much. And, and ultimately, I found that in the work I'm doing and the people that I'm around. And that was a huge shift to the people that I'm close to that I work with. I actually love working with them. I'm having a good time with them. And we laugh all the time. And that's a really good sign of if you're in the right space. If you're laughing with your, the people you work with and you're smiling most of the time, that's probably a really good sign. If you're struggling and, and you have heartburn and, and it's painful, that may be a sign the universe is trying to tell you you're in the wrong place and it's time for a reinvention. Yeah, I remember a friend of mine used to tell me that he gets physically sick every Sunday night just because he knew he had to go to work in the morning and he didn't like going to work, working with the people he was working with, that he just, he just needed to just eject and quit because the sickness was getting to him. So it's... Um, <laughs> 
it, it you know it's funny that there's it's not it's not actually even funny it's just the the crazy t- statistic is that the majority of heart attacks happen on Sunday, and that's that's it it's the same thing people are they they're so upset they they don't want to go to their life on Monday their work life and so they end up dying oh. I mean that if you're if we're feeling bad about going to our thing on Sunday night or we're getting sick that is the universe saying, Hey, it's, it's channeling through your body saying, this is the wrong path. You should be giddy. You should be excited. I mean, truly life is too short. Nobody, nobody goes to their, their dying breath and says, Oh, I wish I'd worked more. I I wish I'd done more of that thing. You know, I I wish I had more hours in the day to spend doing whatever the heck my business was. They're they're not thinking that they're going, gosh, I wish I had, I had done something else that really had, my passion was, was tapped into and, and, and it's it's not just cliche that we should be living our passion. It's really the truth that that's what the world is looking for, and that's what it wants, and that's how we're supposed to show up. And yet we've been tricked into thinking that it's all just about making money and and then and really ignoring the rest of the stuff. So getting sick is a really good indicator that we're not on the right path. But a lot of people will complain that they don't know what their passion is. You know, they'll be in a job for many years maybe even in the 30s 40s 50s and they're still trying to figure it out but they can't leave the job because they have to pay bills pay tuition for their kids and all kinds of obligations so how, how does one figure out their passion you know what makes them excited because people will tell you oh i have a passion for making hair but they don't see it as a viable business because they think there's too much competition and they're not going to be able to make enough money to take care of the obligation so how would someone like narrow it down and find that passion that thing that makes them alive and then we'll talk about basically how to transition from passion to profit well it i think that that's that's a lie that we tell ourselves that that we we have all these obligations that we need to have we we choose a lot of these things because of societal obligations and that we have to have a certain lifestyle I, there, there are more and more people that are are saying, you know, what, I love traveling. I love doing these certain things. And they once they say this is, I love doing this. I, this feels amazing. They find out the the path. They find find a way to do it. One of the ways we can figure out what our passion is. Think about back to when we were a child and what did we love doing? And what are the things that we do in the evenings or the weekends? Like what what really gets us excited? And usually, what I hear people saying is, oh, I love golf or I love traveling or whatever, but and then there's this big butt, yeah. and then they stop. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, okay, I love golf, and how could I possibly do something? How could I spend my time in that space, or how could I travel? Right now, we have all these opportunities of creating blogs and creating excitement. People are looking for energy and juice and enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And so if we, can, if we can start with the thing that we're enthusiastic about, we're naturally going to show up smiling and excited, and people are going to follow us. So you have to you have to really ask yourself what makes you smile, what gets you happy. People follow that. I mean, I know I do. I get excited when somebody shows up. Sometimes I don't even know what they're talking about, and I don't even care. I just want to be around them because they're so happy about whatever they're doing. Yeah. And and that's that's the thing that we have to ask. What gets us excited? What 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 do we have that that inner burning fire for? And if we're honest about it, it's really not that hard of a question. It's yeah. really just asking the question and and getting rid of the butt after the the answer. So figure it out and then just kick the, kick the butt in the butt and just kick do the it. butt in the butt. <laughs> I love it. That's great. You started Total Total Control Financial. Yeah, Total is the name of the company. So I beg your pardon. Uh, and your mission is to disrupt Wall Street by empowering 
Main Street. So tell us a little bit about that and how you're seeking to fulfill your mission. Yeah, well, you know, what's something that I, I noticed over the years, I noticed, and especially as a kid and then just kept getting worse, I noticed how often people were, they had their money in a system and really their strategy around financial security. And this was a big thing. Even, even 20, 25, 30 year olds talk about financial security. And I'm thinking financial security, this is not the great depression. What, what are you focused on financial security for? And it was really this, this brain damage that, it, that we need to have a certain pile of money and then we'll be safe and then we can live. And I watch people saving money and handing their money to, to people, these institutions, these big banks and brokerage houses, and then hoping that there's the strategy was hoping. And so they're smoking a bunch of hopium, hoping that this thing will work out and that they'll wake up at 50 or 60 years old and it'll all be good. And, and what, what I, my, my contention is that that's never going to be good because even if you wake up and you're 50, 60 years old or 70 or whatever, and you have a big pile of money, you're still going to be scared. There's no security there. And, and my thinking is that once we own the responsibility for, for creating financial abundance, wealth, that quote unquote security, once we own it, and then we say, I'm going to build the muscle so that I'm, I have the confidence around creating it. At that point, we've really gone into the, the space of financial freedom. It, it's the having the confidence creates the freedom. It's not having the money that creates the confidence. And I think a lot of times people, they, they go backwards, backwards with that. Because, yeah. yeah. yeah if, if, you, if you have the confidence that you can create wealth and you can create money and value and you, you happen to lose all your money, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But if you don't have the confidence and you have $10 million and then you lose it, you're stuck. Yeah. So we've got to have the confidence. We've got to build the muscle up. And that's really going out there and taking action. You cannot ha hand your money and it over to a, an institution and have any type of confidence. You're going to live in a state of, I hope they don't lose my money. I hope it works. Again, hope is not a strategy. Yeah. We've got to have something more, more empowered. And that's really by us being involved in taking action. So the work that we're doing is is giving people a vehicle where they can get out of that whole roulette wheel, the casino of Wall Street taking their money into their own hands and then investing it and learning how to be smart investors and smart, smart business owners and, and doing things that they control. So that's why the company's called Total Control Financial because it's really empowering people to be in total control. Yeah, so I mean, before we get back into the Wall Street thing, I remember an analogy, I think this was sometime in 2009 or so, right around the financial crisis. I was just coming out of grad school at the time and we were watching CNBC, and they were interviewing one of the richest guys in Asia. I think it was in Hong Kong or something. And they said on that day he had lost like 2 or $3 billion, and he was being interviewed on the golf course. And they were asking him, like, dude, you just lost like 2 $3 billion. Why are you on the golf course playing around, you know? And the guy said something very funny. He said, I, I, I know what I did to make that money. And so the fact that I've lost that amount of money in one day doesn't really matter to me that I'll make it back before, I think he said something ridiculous, before 12 months or something. And I'm like, wow, what confidence in this guy to lose a couple billion in a day and, and just go out and play golf and say, oh, dude, in 12 months I'll be able to make it back. So that, that, that's really something. And, and, that's, and that's true of of anybody that's in the creation space, anyone that's a, a financial or entrepreneurial artist that has the confidence that they can take a blank slate, a canvas, and they can create something on that, that they don't need to have a picture on it, that they can literally do that and it's in their mind. 
it, anybody that has created and has that confidence doesn't worry. And that's the, the worry is like negative goal setting. It's constantly destroying our ability to create, to be, to be free. And that, that's something you'll find absolutely consistently with, with people that, that really have the confidence that they don't care if, if they lose it. They, they don't want to lose their money. It's not going to put them into a, a dark hole where they're going to be stuck. And most people that, that don't have that confidence are, are living in fear every single day based on what the markets are doing and whether something happens outside of their control. That's where you can't be if you want to truly have freedom and peace and, and, and a life. You, you've got to get away from, from that transfer of, of ownership and you've got to take this, this responsibility and, and control and, and build that confidence. So how does someone create um, that freedom? So take, for example, you're typically told in the U.S., you know, if you're working, you know, the company is going to take a certain amount of your money and put it in a 401k and depending on the amount you put, they're going to match it and whatnot. And personally, I never believed that. I just believed, hey, look, it's my money. If I take it and create maybe a, a video product that I can sell or podcast or ebook or something, I think that would bring me more cash flow as opposed to just keeping it in a 401k that... I don't know who's managing it. I don't know what's going on there. I come out, I don't know if it's inflation adjusted or if it's not inflation adjusted. So so how do people tap into that um, creativity that will help them build the confidence to start creating um, um, freedom in their financial life? Well, the, the first thing is is that I totally agree with you on on that idea that it's a it's a it's a the wrong idea. I, I think saying I'm going to put money into a, my 401k that with my company and they're going to match it. And I'm doing that because I get free money. Let me tell you that it's not free money yeah. and it's, it's, it's not a free ride. What's happening is you're being trapped by the incentive and the lures and the, and the, the scheme that's there to keep your money inside a system and trap it for the rest of your life so that people can be making fees on it and so that they can get wealthy. So my, what I would, what I would do if I had that opportunity inside of a company, I would say, no, I'm not going to contribute to a 401k and match. I'm going to take the money. Just like you said, I'm going to take it and I'm going to create something that I actually control, whether it's having a, some type of product I can sell online, or I'm going to find a way to invest in, in real estate. I'm going to do something that I'm actively involved with because it's like saying, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to become healthier by watching a workout video and, and that will be better because I'll learn versus going out to the gym and actually working out and and physically moving your muscles you're not going to gain any muscle mass by watching a video yeah and it, i mean this is not the matrix you don't get to <laughs> look at something and you, you get to become a judo master and and so that's what people think is, is going to happen if they just hand their money over to wall street or to the financial institutions around the world that they're going to become a ninja that doesn't happen you have to go out there and train and training means you're involved in in your investing in your businesses and and it doesn't take that much. I mean, you can you can create something, and it could be it could be a bead necklace, and and you go to a craft fair or you put it on eBay. I mean, that is something that you're doing that is a thousand times more powerful than just putting your money into a a four hundred one k or or some type of financial instrument and then hoping it works out. That's that's that that is literally the worst thing you could do. So I I'm a completely in agreement with you and and on the same page. It's about creating something. It doesn't take much. It's just something. Get involved in something that you actually are a part of. Could you give us some examples of success of people that you've worked with in TCF? 
Yeah, I mean, one of one of the the best examples. Uh, one of one of my favorite uh, my, my favorite clients that I've been working with for several years. Uh, a couple that that I've been working with took their money and they were on this whole Wall Street roller coaster and and they they used to uh, we, they used to talk about the stress of being involved and and they one day they said I, we're we're tired of the the green and red arrows because every day there's this green arrow that that goes up on on the news we watch the news and the financial news and they say the markets went up and there's a green arrow and we feel richer and we also wonder if there's going to be a red arrow tomorrow which is going to make us feel poorer and so every day there's this up and this down and, and we're feeling richer and poorer and it, it absolutely stresses us out and and i said well how how long do you want to be on that roller coaster and they said we want off and i said great so the work that we've done and what they've been able to do is take their money out of that market and start working with their own stuff, their own investments with real estate investing. And what they're doing is they're, they're, they don't have a perfect track record. What they have is a confidence expansion and that the muscle that they have now, they can go out and they can continue to create more wealth without the markets having an influence on them. They don't care what happens every day, but they're able to go out and they've done all these real estate deals and they're, they're they're making money and they know that no matter what happens, they can go do it again. It's not a it's not a 20 year plan where they just have to put money away and hope the markets work. Yeah. They can just go buy another piece of real estate. And I watched them. It's not so much about how much money they've made. It's about the confidence that they've that has been created and and how they show up now without the fear with really a, a sense of we can do this. It's just and it's up to us. It's not up to anybody else. We don't have to put our our faith in anyone else. We can just go out there, wake up and, and make it happen. And they believe in that now and they didn't when they started out. And that's the biggest shift. People really own the belief that they can do it once they've gone through this process. Hmm. And do you think, I want to tie this back to something we had talked about in the, in the beginning. Do you think that um, your work in martial arts, like creating your own martial arts system, Hokido, is something that can help people develop confidence because i know that people uh, confidence kind of builds like a momentum once you build uh confidence in one area it kind of bleeds over into other areas of your life so do you think a martial arts can help with that or are there any suggestions you can give to the listeners as to how they can start building confidence gradually Take, for example, in another alternative sphere before they start moving into building financial confidence to take control of their, of their situation. I, I think that martial arts is, is a, an amazing place to build confidence because you're going through motions and you're, and you're building something by showing up. And, and there's no real risk of, of failing. You just keep showing up. And really what we're describing is the path of mastery. And there's a great book by George Leonard called Mastery that I, I highly recommend to everyone, yeah. martial artists and, and anyone that wants to master their life and really go down the path of mastery. And the, the martial arts is so powerful because whether it's it's Aikido that I teach or Yokido that I developed or the yoga or any or Tai Chi or anything that people are doing in this sphere, it develops a sense of presence. And that that's what's most powerful is the presence. When you have presence, when you when you are present, you're able to see things and experience things, and you're grounded. Without presence, you're you're basically screwed. I mean, you really have to be present to be a party to your life. And and martial arts is really powerful because if you're not present, you get thrown away, thrown around, punched in the face. It hurts. Yeah. There's an immediate feedback loop from the universe or your your partner that you're training with, 
And so you learn to be more and more present and it allows you to, to be lighter. And there's not this weight of, of moving around once you, once you spend time developing that, that presence. It's, it's not necessarily about punching or kicking or doing something. It's not even doing anything. It's literally the beingness. And, and that, that stems from the, the breath work that you do in any martial art or yoga or, or even meditation. That has nothing to do with business and it has everything to do with business. So if we can spend time in that space and anybody can do that, I mean, we can, we can go to the internet and find a, a yoga or a meditation video that's free and we can start that process and that develops the presence that will lead to success and fulfillment in every other part of our life. Oh, fantastic. So as we start to wind down, I just want to ask you some, you know, rounding up questions. So my first question I always ask as we start to end the interview is, um, who's an entrepreneur you admire and why do you admire that person so much? One of, one of the people that I, I really admire a lot is, is Elon, uh, Elon Musk. And the reason that I admire him and is because he's like a honey badger. He just doesn't give, he doesn't give a crap. He just, he's willing to go out there and do it his way. And people will laugh at him. They'll, they'll say you're crazy. And he, he doesn't seem to care what other people think. I love when entrepreneurs are, they're obsessed to the point where people think that they're crazy. I love seeing that because crazy is only crazy up to the point where it makes sense. And everybody says that make, that's normal. And it's, it's holding that and it's, it's believing in it long enough past when everybody else has, has lost faith. And, and he's one of those guys that is absolutely focused on creating his vision, doing what, what he wants to do. And he's not going to let anybody get in, get in his way. And I love the scale too. He thinks really big. I love people that don't give a crap and they think really big and they just go for it. So he's, he's an inspiration. I think there's a, there's a lot of folks that are out there that, that are like him that we look up to. He's one that I, I happen to look at and just, he makes me smile. <laughs> yeah, somebody that, somebody that wants to go live on Mars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I take on whole industries and just win. Yeah, he's a, he's a different kind of human being. And I wish, honestly, that we all could be more like him. I'm sure we all could be more like him, but I think it's just the insecurities and the fear that we all have that keep us from actually manifesting at the Elon level. It, it really is. There, there is a choice uh, that, that we all can be. We can really, there's something inside every one of us that we, we can tap into. And it's not about being Elon. I think he's awesome. But there's also something inside me that is awesome waiting to be tapped into yeah. and show up just like there is for you. Yeah. And that's up to us to make that choice. And really the cool thing is that we have the choice. It's not, we don't need to wait for somebody to give us permission. Mm -hmm. He didn't wait for somebody to give him permission. He just said, I'm going to be me and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, I'm going to go big or go home. Yeah. And so he's just going big and he's, and he's making it happen. We all have that. It's just a choice. Yeah, exactly. And um, as a leader, you started several businesses. You're now in a new phase of business. What do you do over and over again that you recommend other entrepreneurs, other leaders to do? I have a, I have a saying that, that I own that, that it's really important to me. And that saying is that I, I may be wrong, but I am never in doubt. And I make decisions fast and that's one of the things that I see with people that are successful and fulfilled and and they're charging through and, and and leading they're able to be sure 
and move, even when they're wrong, it doesn't make any difference. It's when we get stuck and we just sit still and we contemplate and we think instead of moving, that's the big difference. So I'm, I'm constantly making decisions and moving and it doesn't matter whether I'm wrong. When I'm wrong, the universe lets me know. And then I change course that the motion is, is where we find the opportunities to learn from our mistakes. And that's where we get the wisdom, which, which causes the growth. And that's where we, we continue to move up into a different space, but we've got to be in motion and we've got to be willing to make the mistakes and learn from those things. And what's the worst job or business you've ever had? And what did you learn from, from that experience and how are you applying it going forward? The, the worst job I, I ever had, I, I cleaned up a meat market. And so I was, I was literally the cleanup boy when I was in high school. So when, and this was during the hunting season in Alaska, which meant that all, everybody was, was killing all these animals and they were bringing them into this meat market to be processed and cut up. And I had to clean everything. And when, when the sewers backed up, I had to get into the sewer and literally pull the guts of these animals out. It was most, the most disgusting thing ever. I don't know how I even got through this. And what, the, the other part of that story was that when I was doing this job, I was making $5 an hour, which is basically nothing. It seemed like a lot for a kid. Mm -hmm. And, and when I was doing it, I had a, a relative that I'd never met before visit. And he was there, he was visiting in Alaska for a week. And I was so busy working at this meat market, doing this disgusting job that I didn't really spend any time with him. And he was one of the coolest people I've ever met. I probably spent 10 minutes with him that week. And I, I was working, figured I'd, I'd have a chance to, to spend time with him later. And he left and he found out he had cancer and he died six months later. And I realized, wow, okay, that job that was so important, that was so disgusting, I exchanged it for an opportunity to have a relationship with someone that I can never have with a relationship with again because he's gone. Mm -hmm. And so it really made me think about the work that I'm doing and the relationships and what the priority is going to be. So powerful job, disgusting job, and a really great lesson on relationships. If you could go back in time to when you were starting out your entrepreneurial journey, what's the one advice you give yourself well, beyond making sure that I had gray and no hair around me, I would I would absolutely drive home the point that when when we're setting goals, we tend to way overestimate what we can accomplish in the short term and we way underestimate the long term. So I would I would be setting up moonshots always for five, 10, 20 years down the road. I would be thinking much bigger and I would be challenging myself to dream up impossible goals. And and then in the short term, I would be giving myself ways to win and not constantly thinking about how I'm going to create $50 billion in the next five days because we, when we let ourselves down and it doesn't happen over and over, we start to, we start to second guess our, our ability to actually do anything right. And so I would be thinking way bigger down the road and I would allow time to, to uh, support me instead of trying to force things. Uh, in, in real estate, when I was getting involved with it, when I forced things, it ended up hurting me and I lost money. When I allowed things to naturally grow over time, I ended up making a ton of money. And that was a great lesson that over time, things will support us if we're on the right path. If we try to force them, then we end up, uh, we kind of have a problem. And, and it's the universe doesn't really work like that in, in most, most ways and most, most often. Okay. And the final question is, um, what's your advice to like recent grads just starting out thinking of starting a business or somebody that's transitioned into an entrepreneurial career 
or has been struggling for the past couple of years, um, what would you encourage and advise those two groups of people to do? That, 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 that's a simple one. And it's something that I'm amazed that I really, I haven't had more people do this over the years with me or, or just, I don't hear people doing it. There used to be something called being an apprentice where you learn from people that have been in the middle of what you want to learn. They're, they're doing it and, and going to people and saying, Hey, I want to learn. I'm willing to do whatever you need. I, I, I want to learn. I'll support you. I'll give you my time. People show up so often thinking that they're entitled to something and, and then they struggle what you know, you're not, nobody's entitled to anything and, and to be able to, to show up and say, I just want to, I, I want to learn from you, whoever that is. And, and I'm willing to give you my time. And w- would you, would you mentor me is, is exceptionally rare and it's incredibly powerful. So I would suggest anybody that's starting out, especially when you don't have experience, go find that space because you can leverage off of somebody else's experience. And most people are happy to have someone that will actually listen and pay attention. They just don't want to have their time wasted. So if you show up with that intention, it's, it's almost a life hack. I think Tim Ferriss might even be uh, impressed with that one. But I, I really would encourage people to, to go find people and, and offer to apprentice, offer to learn in that space, and, and then allow, allow themselves to grow inside that space where somebody else can, can provide a, a path and, and a, a bright light for, uh, for the journey. Nice. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure having Damien on the show. Damien, thanks a lot for sharing your words of wisdom, your story, your encouragement, your your advice. I've, I've really learned a lot from this podcast, and I know my audience have learned so much from you. So um, could you just quickly tell us um, what you have coming up in the next couple months and where people can reach you to learn more about you and what you're doing? Yeah, I, I've got a, a lot of the work that I'm doing is is really on on the, the Total Control Financial Company, which is people can find out more at, at the at TotalControlFinancial.com. The books that I've written, I would love for people to to go to Amazon and and get a copy of Reinvented Life, uh, especially when we're reinventing and and shifting our lives. That there there's another book coming out later this year uh, that will be available, and maybe we can talk about it on a, on a future show and really dive into that one. And, yeah. And, and explore it. That'd be a lot of fun. So really that the work I'm doing is, is on empowering people uh, financially to take the financial piece out of the equation so we can really show up on, on, on point, on purpose. And, and people can, can find me if they, if they go to, to our, the company site or, or to Amazon. And I'd, I'd love to hear from folks that are, that are listening. Great. And um, I'll be sure to put up all the links and everything you've mentioned in the show notes and let people know so that they can if I quickly access the book and the website. So thanks a lot for coming on the show and I wish you so much success and all the best in all your future projects. Man, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. I appreciate your time and the work that you're doing out there. All right. Thank you. Don't let another minute go by without taking action to change your life. Visit Ordeshi.com right now for more incredible resources, and we'll see you next time on Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur.